This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Linode. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode has the pricing, support, and scale you need to take your project to the next level. Get started on Linode today by going to linode.com view. everybody and welcome to Enjoy the View. I'm Tessa and today on our panel we have Chris Fritz. Hi. Ari Clark. Hello. And our special guest for this episode is Eduardo San Martin Morote. Eduardo, would you like to introduce yourself? So my name is Eduardo. I live in Paris and I work as a freelance in front-end development, but most of my time I spend today is on uh, VGS and especially specifically on the voucher, the official view voucher. Great. So I, I have a question. Like you do a lot of work on view router. You're like kind of the main person working on view router day to day, right? Yeah. Yeah. So my first question is like, I know a lot of people probably use view router once, like learned how to use it and then kind of never went back to the docs again, unless they had like questions about like something. And so it's really easy to miss new features that are coming out in view router. What are some recent changes like in the last six months or even like a year that might be really interesting to people who are in that boat? So there are, it's true. You're absolutely right with the thing is that people do the routing once and then they, they forget, right? Even myself, I forget sometimes about some of the stuff I work on because I don't use them that often. Oh yeah, I've definitely referenced docs that I've written. You feel so dumb when it happens. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's, uh, it's a weird feeling. There are a couple of new things, but most of the things are not on the current version of Eurotrip, but rather the new one. And a lot of the features will not be able to be transferred to the old voucher. Like it will be easier to for me to make the new voucher compatible with the with the with YouTube than backporting features. One of the most recent features was the V slot on RouterLink, which allows you to define the customized the rendering of the voucher link at the finest level. So you get all the information that is used internally by the voucher link, like the actual link, the function to navigate away, is this link active or not? And you can do whatever you want with that. So it's very easy to customize, not, not to customize, but to use something completely different like Tailwind and create your own stuff. And that, does, that means that it can be more than just a link. It can be a model and put the link somewhere else, whatever you want. Another new feature that came along and not that long ago was the promise-based navigation. And I think it's one of the things I need to change on your auto next, which is when you do a push or a replace, you get a promise, and this promise is resolved or rejected when the navigation finishes. The problem is that I was following what existed already, which was a callback-based navigation. So you have on success and on error. But on error was called when the navigation was canceled or didn't happen. Basically, the navigation never finished successfully. The rejection was being called. So I followed that, and a lot of people found, find themselves having the handle promise rejection in the console. So that's one of the things that you might not be using is the promise based navigation when you do a push, after the push, you can await the promise to you know if the navigation is finished. 
And uh, there are the latest thing that hasn't been released is having ARIA current automatically added, which is not a big deal. You can do that yourself, but now it's automatic. Uh, I, I can see that being really useful. So for the premise-based navigation, for example, if someone's entering in a username and you know, you're taking them to this new route and there's like some kind of validation for this route that like checks to see if that username exists, like when you're going to that profile page or something, could you add a catch there that then like handles that handles that gracefully or or how would yeah, that work? Like what are what are some what are some of the ways that you would use that in an app? So my original idea was you want to know if the navigation succeed or not. And based on that, you want to do things after, like close a model or change a form. I mean, change a form doesn't make sense, but change a global state. Yeah, totally. So if you have like a something like that. Yeah. So if you have like a sign-in modal, like only if they've successfully signed in, do you want to close that? Yeah, right. Because the model will be at another level. It wouldn't be in the page. So it's still visible. Makes total sense. Whereas yeah. you succeed, you succeed on navigation. These kind of things. It, it's more, it wasn't if you, and if it's, it's the kind of thing that is already there for the voucher to work and exposing it doesn't expose that much API because it's pretty much a promise. Uh, and then whatever you resolve or reject, that would be, the API surface that you want to limit. But the behavior is there for the router internally to work anyway. There are other things coming that can be tested on the view router next. The most recent <laughs> thing I worked on that hasn't been released is something that was after a lot for was which was model, feature-like models. Uh, so that means that you show a model and you change the URL, but the background stays the same. Now, the idea behind this applies more to classic. Uh, so that web pages, like, like Facebook, Instagram, and the old Twitter, where you click a link, it reloads the page. So having this model makes sense because you, the navigation takes a lot of time, right? But on an SPA, it doesn't take that much time. So these models are not that useful. Still, people, some people like to do that. And the interesting idea is that when you show the model, you have a preview of the content you're visualizing. So if, you, if the user wants to share that, they can copy the URL and they can send that somewhere else. And if the, the other person goes to that URL, they end up on a completely different view where you have all the details. So this wasn't possible on ViewRoucher because the, one of the principles of the router is a URL is connected to a page. And here we're completely break, breaking that apart. And this connection was made by the router. So the idea is... If you are able to customize how the router view behaves, or rather, what is the location that the router view is supposed to render, you can uh, do whatever you want. So the idea is, if you are in a location and you want to show a model, you can save some state on the history. And then you will check the state. And if the state has a specific property, like a background view, you will know that you need to display a different component. And then you will be, be able to check that background view to say, okay, we are displaying something in the background. So the, the content we're displaying is a model and based on the page you are on, you can display a different model. Uh, so that's something that is new on ViewRoucher Next. And uh, I don't think I will be able to port that back to ViewRoucher currently. And, and you mentioned that like ViewRoucher Next is this version of ViewRoucher that most people can't use right now. Like what? Why is that? No, they can use it with Vue three. Oh, so it's it's only for Vue three. Yeah, right. I didn't say that. Sorry. 
I mean, it's built, but there is a small layer that is connected to Vue 3 that initially I did work on it with Vue 2. So I was making it work with Vue 2. And now I am adding more and more things that make sense with Vue 3. But the connection layer is still quite thin because things are split apart, uh, different modules. I think it, that's what I was saying, that it would be easier to to migrate ViewRoucher to Vue 2, to ViewRoucher Next to Vue 2, than to backport features from ViewRoucher Next to ViewRoucher. So is that a possibility that like ViewRoucher Next will eventually maybe support Vue 2 as well? It's, uh, if, I, if I finish everything that is more important for Vue 3 and I have the time, then definitely I can work on that. That'd be really cool, especially yeah. even if just like a subset of features were, were available. Be whole, I think that would be thing, really nice. Yeah, it will be the whole thing. The, the problem is that there are some breaking changes as well. Most of them are actually yeah. useful. Most of them are pretty much removing the workaround people have to do. Encoding mm-hmm. uh, is also quite well improved. Encoding all the URLs is everything is supposed to be automatic, so you don't have to handle it. You have to follow the very simple rules of use params as much as you can if you if your dynamic route can have any uh, character that needs to be encoded any character that needs to be encoded. Um, the, the encoding is in a very specific part of the router, and there are some comment, comments, so anybody can read that if they want. So what are some of the main problems that people often have with ViewRouter? And t- Tessa, Ari, like, I'd be really interested to hear like, if you've had some like, issues you know, getting something to work with ViewRouter, like the, the current version. You know, to to see like what what kind of problems like we are trying to solve with the library. Well, also, I, I wasn't the one who uh, set up ViewRouter in uh, my project, but so I can already tell you don't like it. You don't like the way it's set up. <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah, that's fair. So it wasn't me. Have... <laughs> but yeah, I feel like the way that we set it up could have been better. So essentially, like we have some nested views, but we aren't actually using nested views in the router. We're just still using one router view. So we end up just like, you know, duplicating a whole lot of crap, which is cool. Not, but yeah, things like nested views, I guess the person who did set it up found it very confusing. So they just didn't do it right. So I don't know, maybe some tips and tricks around that. Mm, Is that something that, that you've seen in the wild too sometimes, Eduardo? Like yeah, people not using nested views or not knowing when to use them. Yeah. So most of the router, it's advanced, I would say. The router is quite low level. So when you use something like Nuxt, it's invisible. Like you can even do Nuxt without touching the routing at all because Nuxt is overriding that routing layer for you. So it becomes a great experience. Personally, I use Nuxt and I don't even have to touch the routing. But I, unless I want to touch something very specific. And this is the point, right? This is the point of the router to, be, uh, to make something that is complicated seem simple. But it does connect into multiple, into very different parts of your application. Like it spreads and it connects to different, uh, different so it has different connection in your application. And uh, what I see very often is that people don't know if they should be using the router for that or not. So they end up using it when they don't. And it's I do it myself too. So Nestor routes, for example, it's supposed to allow you to define some kind of layout, right? You have some common part of your 
interface that stays the same and then a, a smaller section changes. And that smaller section that changes is connected to only the end of the route. So that's where you have the setting slash user, setting slash content. And you have some kind of layout that defines the settings page. And inside of that page, you have a, like a smaller part that changes. So that's the point of nested routes initially. But it's true that you can also use them to just make hierarchies. You don't have to pronounce them now. Hierarchies. Yeah, hierarchies, hierarchies. I, I think. Yeah. Now, now I'm so, second guessing myself. <laughs> so you basically just care about the routes sharing a common prefix and not about the layout of the page, which is basically as if you had boxes instead of bigger boxes. That's pretty much it. And so, so, so let's say you have like, in a, would an example of that be like an admin dashboard where you have like slash admin and then you have like a bunch of different tabs for mm-hmm. like, like customers and like marketing or whatever, you know, you're, you're admitting. You're really, you're really killing it with the example here, Chris. Oh yeah. <laughs> I've given this example, I've used this example a lot of times. So I, this is a thing. <laughs> you'd think I'd be more practiced at it. <laughs> This example, so the tabs specifically, most of the time can be implemented without nesting any routes by just adding a dynamic parameter to the route and then using some component that displays the tabs and depending, and you link the tab with a computer property to your tab component so that whenever you change the tab, the changing of the tab pushes a new uh, location, changing that dynamic parameter. So the URL changes. And then because the URL changes, your tab also connects to a different one and displays another view. But yeah, but that was some kind of hacky, right? Absolutely not. No, this is very, very... I mean, no, it's probably cleaner if I show you the code. <laughs> oh, no. Are you saying, are you saying to, to do that like without using nested routes? Yeah, yeah, without nested routes. Yeah, without nested routes. That would be... like, Why would you do that when there's already nested routes for that? Isn't no, that the exact problem that nested routes are for solving? Really? Uh, it's it's one of the things that you can do with nested routes, but I think it's more complicated with nested routes or without, for example. Wow. So you'd actually manually manage like the path. I mean, in the case of admin and then you have tabs, if the only thing that changes in your page is the, the tab, uh, and depending on how the tabs are, I sometimes prefer use that on parameter. But both ways mm. will work. Yeah. Like indeed, you can use a router view and then you can have that component. But if you have a component, let's say, I've done both ways, to be honest, because sometimes it's more convenient, depending on, it really depends on how your tab component works. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's easier to render your own component and other times it's the same. So you just render a router view. So how would you know, like if you're building an app uh, with that kind of interface, how would you know which strategy would be better for you? I think that if your tabs have some routing logic that are specific to the tabs, then use nested routes. Otherwise, you don't need them. Because one of the points of using nested routes as well is that you can specify custom navigation guards and other features on those small, I mean, smaller views, smaller router views. If you use something like the dynamic parameters, it will be more complicated because it's, it's less the It's all on the same route. So you have to check if this param is dashboard, I don't know, or something you do some navigation guard otherwise you do something so, so you're saying if you like for example at the admin slash customers 
route, if you needed to like fetch a list of customers and you wanted to do that in a before enter for that, that route, then you could, you'd have a place for that logic. Yeah. And then your, your actual like, like admin slash customers nested route could be very simple. It could just be assuming it already has customers. This is what you show rather than having to handle all that loading logic. And yeah, everything. exactly. Yeah. So if you want to depend on the routing features that are uh, more related to a nested views, and that makes it easier to split up the behavior among your components, then you can rely on nested routing to have your work cleaner. If you don't, then I think it's going to make it more complicated than using a dynamic parameter. Got it. I'm kind of curious. What's the hackiest thing that you've ever seen? Like, w- 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 like someone using view router and you're thinking like, what? Oh, I don't, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> that uh, I don't think that, I think that makes things just more complex. It's okay if it's, uh, it's something I've shared with you. <laughs> I won't take offense. Oh, no, I'm sure, no, <laughs> no, no, I, I know what you're talking, what you're thinking about, but no, that's, that's the kind of things I would do too. There Wait, all, sounds all like there's a well. story here. <laughs> Chris, maybe, maybe we can maybe we can share. I think I know what, what you're thinking of, Eduardo. Maybe we can share that after you go and finish your story. Right. So I've seen hacky things for sure. I don't. The problem is remembering things correctly. I think I've seen one route to rule them out. One for sure. Like you have just a star route. Like that is the for example. Most CMS do this. They have one route with a, and they handle everything there. Because it does work because you just fetch the content then and they handle it. But at this point, I wonder, like, the router, is it really useful in that case? Yeah, I think even, like, uh, doesn't even WordPress do this where you have, like, slash admin and that's everything? Everything is there? I think. Or, or yeah. they handle, like, do they have nested routes there? I, I've seen it with Prismic and other, other things. And it's really fun. They do use the router for other things, but... Okay, but it, it, I've seen other things in other CMS and about how they. Oh yeah, another hacky thing: passing state in params or in meta. This is. Oh, I've done that. Yeah, that's a hack. That's not my choice, but that's supposed, <laughs> that could break, and it wouldn't be a breaking change. Like that's no, but in I'm meta, you can you can do that in meta. Yeah, yeah. Meta so on the works? on the route record, you can you can have stuff. Yeah, but you cannot push. With a meta attribute, the meta attribute. Oh yeah, it's not, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't push with the meta. Yeah, <laughs> and then you can add things on params. This is the one of the very common mistake is that people think that params you can just pass state, and so they add things on params but are not declared as dynamic parameters on the route. So if you have a route that is slash users slash clone ID, the only key you can add to params is ID. There is nothing else that should should be added. And because the way we copy objects to make it more, <laughs> more performant and everything, you end up having the contract of parents, but there is no contract on that API working on future releases. And the last thing I can think about is related to score behavior, passing hacky things to restore the position and you reload the page and stuff like that. <laughs> It's very complicated to, I cannot even render the code very well, but given how browsers differ in their behavior and, and other things like that, you can end up with very weird situations that require you to actually use uh, hacky things. 
Yeah. I, I know in, in View Enterprise Boilerplate, I have, I think, probably like three things that could be considered like pretty hacky. Just compensating for what I consider like limitations of the current view router. And one of those is, you know, we've talked about all of these. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, defining, yeah, yeah. Defining a custom before resolve hook. Because a problem with before enter, the before enter hook on the route level, is that it only happens the first time like you're entering that route. So when it's resolving again, Mm-hmm. then it doesn't happen again. And you run into situations where that's a problem when you have like, let's say like forward slash profile and then some username, you know, to show like user profiles. And you start out at one user's profile, you know, before enter hook runs and it goes and like fetches the user for that profile and the before enter hook. And then from that profile, you click on a link that visits another user's profile, let's say in a list of friends. And then it still shows the old user, the user that you were originally on, because the before enter hook doesn't run again. Oh, yeah, like right. you, you want to run something every time that route resolves, even if it's not entering it because it's already there technically. Mm-hmm. You know, so like I've defined a, a before resolve hook for that. I actually, I, I don't ever use the before enter hook now. I find it's just like a big gotcha. Like, like <laughs> there aren't a lot of cases when I, when I want that behavior. I also, for that same scenario, store some information on the meta of the route definition because there's no other place to store it. So I just create like... A, no, I, I create a, a temp variable and then I store I know, it there. I know, it's, I know. It is safe. It is, it is. I'm saying it's safe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is safe, yeah. <laughs> The route record doesn't it's change. It's definitely, it definitely looks hacky and it is hacky. And I have a little comment there saying like, this is super hacky, but it's yeah. also like kind of the best option. Yeah. So until we, we have a better way of passing props, like, you know, passing something from like a before enter hook to, to the props of a, a component, a view component specifically. It's indeed a problem and an limitation of the current API. I mean, before... And I want to change it for this version of Viewwatcher, but I think I don't need to add more breaking changes yet. And I was thinking indeed of one of the ways making some kind of context that allows you to then, on the props option, get information from the context. But it's basically a store on the router, which given the composition API, it's, it's fine because it's, that's one of the points where you can create small pieces of state. And it's so easy to mess up the differences between all the guards. And I understand that it's very confusing. Why would we have so many guards and why this one triggers and this other doesn't? Yeah. And I personally, for example, almost never use before enter. But the point of before enter is to be able to avoid retrieving the chunk of a page. But you can do that also on a before each. But usually I do that on a before each with some meta attributes type. Is the user logged in? I want to make sure that the user is logged in before I go into that page. Yeah, but if if there are some things that you want to do for only one route, it doesn't make sense to do that in a before right, each. Right, right. right. That's, These, that'd be very messily organized, yeah. Yeah, so for example, the data fetching, the question is, where is this data fetching logic? Where is this data fetching logic held? It is held by the component, the view component, or is it held globally? So if it's held by the component, 
then we have the problem about before you enter. First of all, only triggering when you enter for the first time. So you have to use before route update. And second is that there is a big difference between before route enter and update is that before route enter triggers before the component even exists, even if it's mounted. So there is no access to this. There is no access to the data and anything. But mount, but update happens when the component is already there and we change the route. So you have access to this, to the context, the instance yeah. of the component. So I, I, I think it would be really cool to be able to like have like when you're when you're using next with the object format, if there is like another property like props data or something like that, where you can just like pass something to props. So I think that I think that would be very option. useful. That would solve the yeah. problem. Yeah, we have these props option, and one of the APIs I was I thought about but I haven't gone further was having some kind of context that you can just share across all the guards and you can write anything to it. The thing is that yeah. it's not type safe, but then on the props, which is a synchronous function, you could take information from the context and you can just return it. So of course it's very rough, rough idea and it's not I haven't deep enough. But um, this will allow you to set some kind of temporary state and then you just pass as a prop to the view. And this state gets reset every time. I look forward to it. Yeah, it, this, it does need more thinking. I, I do need to think more about it. It's not that it's that it is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The thing is, with suspense, now we don't need to do, we can do other things as well. We could have some kind of composition function that returns a promise and that runs on the first time you enter the, the page and delays the navigation. Although delaying is a big, is a big word because if the comp- the navigation for the component to, to exist, to be mounted, the, the navigation has to happen, right? And once the navigation happens, the route changes and the router view renders that new component. So that's like a tricky thing. <laughs> and that's why it's not that easy to have one API for both the end date and the end chip. Yeah. And that's why we have different APIs. Yeah. yeah, I think the last thing that, uh, that I do that is kind of hacking that I'd like to not be able to do in the future or not have to do in the future is I have like a lazy load view utility that I've defined to basically get around the fact that like the advanced, yeah, the component. yes, thank you. I, async was the word that it wasn't coming to my mind. The advanced async component definition, you know, where you can specify like a loading component and an error component in case there's a timeout, that kind of thing. That doesn't work with view router. And I have like a really messy hack that I don't like that doesn't even like work as well as I'd like it to. Are, will with the next version of view router, will we just get that working? For well, the moment, no. <laughs> oh, come on, you're killing me. <laughs> no, it's I haven't checked that. I need to check that again. The lazy loading on the router is something that and right now, the API is very comfortable. Like, it's really nice. You just change the import from static to dynamic with a function, and it works, right? So I don't want to lose that. Uh, I think Why would I we have to lose problem. that? It works everywhere else where you're <laughs> defining a component. Why not in view router? Because in view router, the lazy loading is handled differently. Because you... Well, handle it don't differently. <laughs> handle it the same, so I can just do my stuff. <laughs> it's true that I can't, I cannot handle it so much because of the 
how the components are fetched when it's natively needed. The problem was like displaying loading, right? Loading screens and stuff. Well, so let's, can I, can I ask like, can there at least be like a, sh- a shipped utility to allow people to do this? Yeah. Because it's such a common use case. I do this in every single application. I need to check it because right now I don't, I'm not sure about the thing you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. 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 Cool. So yeah I'll, send, I'll, I'll send you a link. Maybe if you one become thing... his biggest sponsor on GitHub. <laughs> <laughs> get some sway. Yeah. How much, uh, how much does it cost to get like built in <laughs> advanced <laughs> async component? Utility function. <laughs> I don't know. I have to think about that. What's your price? Stop trying to buy him, Chris. <laughs> but I, I know that one thing that another way to manage to handle that is to completely... So there are different... The thing is there's so many different patterns and that's why the router is sometimes so low level because to allow these patterns, you have to get quite low level and people need to implement their own solutions. Yeah, if you have like links to examples of some of those patterns, we'd love to see them and I, we can drop them in the show notes for people who want to check them out. Yeah, so right I know now, it's, it's hard to describe code like over audio. <laughs> yeah, well, your boilerplate, your interactive boilerplate is really it's great for that. It has a great example. So for example, if you have a thing, if you have some kind of ease loading variable, right? That you set to true and then set to false. Or maybe you don't and I'm wrong, I'm thinking about something else, no? Nope, I, I have basically a, a lazy load view function that just like wraps the imports, the like Webpack imports, a dynamic import. And then I, I essentially use an advanced async component rendered by just like a f- very thin functional component that does nothing. So, so I just add I'm like thinking. this, this middleman component to, to bypass it. Yeah. So now that I'm thinking about it, just today, maybe yesterday, Evan released an RFC for the new async components. And I should take a look because now it depends on suspense. And I should take a look maybe to be able to accept that as, uh, as you said, like having the factory being allowed. I need to. I would like this very much. I don't know what the limitation is, uh, the technical limitation is right now. I don't remember, but Mm -hmm. I remember it doesn't work well. I wanted to revisit something that you had mentioned in your talk at UConf about how URL encoding is like state machines. And you you'd said that you didn't really have time to go into it then. So I was wondering if you would be open to going into that more now. Sure. So the thing, I, I think I expressed myself wrong as I very often do, uh, especially in English. I mean, even more in English. The, the, the encoding is not a state machine, but the parsing algorithm is defined as a state machine in the specification which is pretty much any parser or tokenizer. I don't know, it's the same. I think it's the same. Tokenizer is just another word that is the same as a parser. You can define that as a state machine in terms of implementation. So the specification or the URL has a section about the URL parsing. And inside of that URL parsing, which is a state machine, which is defined as a state machine, you have the instructions for the encoding and how things should be handled about encoding. So for example, when you encounter a percentage, it says switch to uh, this state. And, and it says if the, ne- if the next two uh, characters are not numbers, then fail, not valid URL. Otherwise, use that as the encoded version of the character. 
and stuff like that. And then they reference to the character saying, this is the encoding set for this part of the URL. I don't know if that makes sense. I think so. I mean, my very rudimentary understanding of a state machine is that it's basically like you have a list of predefined states that won't change like an enum or a switch case or something. And then you just pick the the state that you want. Is that right? Right. It's true. I, sorry, I forgot, <laughs> I forgot uh, to tell what a state machine is. Indeed. It's because it's something I have done so much in, in computer science that I, I forgot that not everybody does computer science or not everybody needs to even do that in computer science. So, so it can be funny. It's actually one of, one of my favorite um, courses. <laughs> and the mathematical definitions are, um, are very complex. What is the word? They don't make any sense if you don't have a mathematical background. <laughs> and even with a mathematical background, you read the definitions. And it's so abstract, like anything in mathematics, that you don't want to use them. And I think that if you're interested into this, watching any David K. Piano talks about it, he explained that very well, and he will be able to explain it much better than I, ha- I do. But the idea of uh, state machines, and there are different kinds of state machines because mathematics, so they have to go into every single possible theoretical possibility because that's mathematics, right? So I don't remember the differences even though I studied that. But you define beforehand the different kind of states and the transitions you can have between the states. So for example, you have the initial state. So that's where your state machine starts. And then you decide to say, okay, now then we go into the path state where you're parsing the state. So it means that while you're on that state, you're going to store the characters that you read as the path section. And then if you encounter the interrogation mark, you go into the query state where you're going to store the query section of the path and then the hash state and stuff like that. And you can use state machines for, for many, many things. So it... It's not a way of programming. It's a way of defining. It's a very abstract concept. That's why it's so useful. You don't really need to, to do it. It's, it becomes quite verbose, to be honest, as well. But so it's, it's different from programming. It's sort so, of like defining a workflow with yeah, code? Yeah, it's a workflow, okay. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting because like at first when we were talking about tabs, I was wondering, oh, well, could that tab navigation or U router be seen as a state machine, but then when you were describing it in further detail, I was wondering if maybe I was thinking too concretely and it's more like water where it could be like ice or gas or liquid. And it's like, what what form is it taking now? But I don't know. I'm you know kind of- I, I was not expecting like a philosophical discussion. About <laughs> this is delightful. What, what is a route fundamentally? What is the platonic ideal of a route? Is it the journey that matters or the path? Socrates once said about routes. <laughs> the direction. <laughs> uh, so, that escalated I it, quickly. I think you can define almost any program as a state machine. Okay, before we get before we get too too like no, no, I'm gonna out in the weeds about like about thing, like yeah. state machine and the nature of the universe. Um, <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's something I am curious about. And this is, I think, the, the last like, big question on my mind is, if you were starting a new Vue application today, what would your, like the chief maintainer of Vue Router, what would your Vue Router configuration look like? And I can, I can ask this in a series of questions because I know that's a big one. So first okay. of all, what mode are you using? <laughs> oh, 
no hash pressure. mode, history mode. Always history mode um, because uh, for SEO purposes it's better. And also because, because he relies on a more on an API that is more consistent across, across browsers. The hash mode, because he relies on the hash, that information is never sent to the, to the server. That's why there is no SEO possibility uh, handling anything there. And because browsers are not as consistent as they are with the history of that regarding any interaction that may trigger any event. So then this is a question I get a lot. If that's the case, why is hash mode the default? Because, the ha- because it works without configuring the server to handle the serving. Yes, some of us have to use hash mode and it's very depressing because there are some unique issues to using hash mode. It also works with try for a night. Yeah, no, our server doesn't feel like handling the front end. So I, yeah. And I, I think I think that's <laughs> the most important version that like it like uh, history mode won't work with Internet Explorer nine, which or Internet Explorer nine or or eight, which Vue supports down to eight, I think. No, nine. Yeah, nine. Or v- oh, nine. nine is a no, nine. No. Okay. It was eight yeah, in the eight. beginning. No, no, eight doesn't support object defined properties, so there is no way. Oh, uh, that's true. Oh, it doesn't. Okay, yeah, yeah. So down to nine, which is far away. Uh, and so like it. <laughs> It's a, I, I think it makes sense as a default if people do actually need like to support all the browsers that Vue does support. And it gets them to ask that question. You know, like, oh, if I'm changing this, why is, why is this other thing the default? And then they get to decide for themselves, do I really need IE9 support? I think it's, it's a problem of the communication as well because we don't talk about it at all. And, and so people don't ask themselves a question or don't even make a choice even if it's, it doesn't require much thinking. And for instance, on the new router, you have to pass a history option. There is no mode anymore. There is a history option, which takes an instance. And then you import another function that does create web history, create web hash history, create uh, memory history, and the idea is to allow custom history implementations as well. But because you have to make a choice, you can now take a moment to say, oh, use this, it will work, you know, it will work. Easily, like the hash mode is the we can use that in examples, and everybody can deploy their applications on any server without doing any configuration, and it will work. But then we can leave a note and say, "But hey, if you are considering deploying an application, check the history mode. It should be used. It's better than the hash mode." The hash mode is actually a hack. Think about it. The hash route. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. So here's my next question: Do you define a scroll behavior function? Yes, always. I default to go into the top when there is no information, and otherwise the sole information. But it's basically the default. It's not the documentation of your router. I do have sometimes more complicated scroll behaviors if I want to handle the hash, like a hash rotation. So an anchor. Anchor? Yeah, anchor would be that. So why is this kind of stuff not documented better in view router? Which, which part? Well, you just said this thing like isn't isn't really documented well, and also like why we would we would want hash or why hash mode is the default is also not documented. Yeah, and what the limitations of history mode are. And along those lines, I'm also like, what's what's scroll behavior? 
Is that like? And I was like, uh. yeah. So like, what what happens when you when you navigate to a new page? Like normally in in the browser, like this is just like native to the browser. If you're clicking on a link normally, and then you click back, for example, then it goes back to the point of the page that you were, you were that you were at exactly. And so you basically. I like to define a custom like scroll behavior function to essentially get the view router working just like the native browser, like app does with normal links. The default name. I don't remember why it wasn't the default. I, I don't. I don't know why it's not the default either. If only it were documented. I, I, I don't know. Maybe you make the default. Uh, that that, that sure could be like, cool. Yeah. That's also something that I end up using in every application. But sometimes I do need something oh, more same, complex. Same. Yeah. Yeah, same. I, but I, like, like by you default, said. At least do that. By, by, yeah. I, by default, use a scroll behavior. And Next also has a scroll behavior by default. Okay. Now, are your routes lazy or static? Always lazy. Always lazy. Always lazy, but you don't allow the advanced lazy configuration? No. <laughs> no, but the, the reason oh, is very simple. Is, uh, you want to split code split your application. So mm -hmm. this will make Webpack automatically split your application for you. And therefore, when you go into a page, you're not downloading your whole application, which is downloading the <laughs> JavaScript necessary to render that application. And as you navigate yeah. to other pages, it keeps getting the new information. So yeah. the bigger it gets, the better it is. The smaller it is, the less it matters. Yeah. And, and like, for example, that like forward slash admin like route that we were talking about, you know, I've seen a lot of like admin dashboards that end up being like half the size of the application, yeah. <laughs> but maybe it's only used by like 5% of users. And so you're making every user, if, you, if you're not using lazy routes, then you're making every user download like all the different interfaces that they might need. And, and that doesn't really make sense. So yeah, I, I always do lazy too for, for everything. I don't even think about it. Every single route. Yeah. There is very, very few cases when like one of the few cases when you where you might not want a lazy loader route is a 404 route, a catch-all route. But even then, I would include in a chunk and pre um, prefetch or preload. Prefetch the chunk, which means that the browser will automatically fetch the file once it's video, when it's doing absolutely nothing. So it doesn't impact yeah, the performance of the application. Because hopefully for like most of the time the first page they're visiting is not a 404. <laughs> Even if they do, it doesn't, doesn't matter because it will be fetched automatically. Yeah, yeah, it'll be, it'll be fetched just like, yeah. I can read that one. Yeah. Um, a slight tangent there. Do you have like a good mnemonic for remembering prefetch versus preload? Because I might be remembering wrong, but I feel like two years ago in Toronto, I heard you speak about it. Maybe it was somebody else. And it was something about like when to use prefetch versus preload, but you can kind of get them mixed up. So I was curious how you remember the difference. Yeah, I, mean, I think I forgot now. It's the kind of thing that you don't use that often. You use them once and then you start shooting. Or I don't know say, but you use it one and you forgot. Sean Narkin explained me this thing years ago very well. And I look at the documentation on, 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 the Chrome, on Chrome as well. You can but, but basically one is blocking and the other is not. And I think that's preload because of the load and fetch. It's more like mine. How do you say my memo? Mnemonic. 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 Yeah. Okay. I know it's a weird word. Something else. 
<laughs> is that a <laughs> technical way? Megan, so is, it, is that a technical, I'm a technical, a uh, technique to remember something? Yes. Okay, okay. So I didn't know that word. So uh, the mnemonic I will use is that load happens before you have something, you need to load, like any application you load, and then you are you have your application. So if you preload, it means that you need to wait. It's before the loading. And if you prefetch, it means that you're, it doesn't have a load, so it's the other one. So <laughs> it fetches it. That's, uh, that's, that's a nice way of remembering it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to steal that. <laughs> and what I don't understand is why one is called prefetch, to be honest. Like preload made sense, but the other one yeah. prefetch. I don't know why prefetch. Yeah, that one there's probably a reason. Yeah, for, for for a lot of this stuff, I mean, there are so many things in programming that I I've been looking up like every three months for years. Right. <laughs> just like whenever whenever I happen to need it, you know, I just like look it up that one time. It's just like, oh yeah, it's like okay, I've done this like a dozen times now. I, right. I should remember. It. I'll remember it this time. I'm pretty sure. And then I, I look yeah. it up again three yeah, months later. Even if I think I know, it's like I, I'm not exactly sure. So you check again, just make sure. Yeah. It's Flexbox. Flexbox is the thing I've checked. I oh, check I got justify versus align content versus item. Yeah, yeah the, the CSS tricks, like that, that's... Oh, I actually have that one down. Nice. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's like plugging in a USB cord. You never get it right. <laughs> okay, but like the syntax of grid, like the actual property grid, oh, that is I really have to hard. look that up every time. I mm -hmm. don't know, like, I, CSS yeah. trick page for that, to be honest. I'm like, oh. Yeah, I didn't learn it through that. I actually no. did. Yeah. Anyway, getting off track. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, easy to forget that stuff. Oh, yeah, uh, I should just say, that's like the only thing that I can consistently remember because every like array method, I have to look up every time. <laughs> it's funny because so, I see a lot of people saying that like slice and splice and they, they forget which one is. I remember which one is which, but I, the syntax, almost every time I have to look it up. I think I've told you so many times that I end up remembering the splice and slice under syntax. It's always the same. It's like start, yeah. start, and then, oh no, yeah, indeed. One is count and the other one is end. And that one I forget. I mean, <laughs> also I'm, there's substr and substring. Yeah. I was trying to figure that out when I was first getting to JavaScript and somebody was helping me. And I, I was so eager to get back to the solution. I walked into a glass door and got a concussion. Oh my God. Wow. I didn't know I was walking that fast. <laughs> Wow. That's some enthusiasm right there. Yeah. That's, uh, that's probably like a, a bigger headache from code than I've ever gotten. <laughs> I mean, that was the literal knock yourself out. Yeah. Okay. So that's, I think, the end of my questions. You all have any more questions for Eduardo? Before we I start wrapping up? Kind of related to yours, Chris. So you know how last year there was that movie by the Love Actually guy, Richard something, about this, this guy wakes up in, I think it was Dev Patel, but I could be wrong, in a world where the Beatles don't exist anymore. So he has he steals all their songs or something. Is that sounding familiar? Maybe not. Uh, so I'm wondering if that happened to you. Like if you woke up tomorrow in a world without View Router, like everything else is the same, but just View Router was never created. So there's no like existing users or any, any other use cases you have to worry about. What would you do differently, if anything? Or what would you keep the same? Does it really apply? I mean, if, if there was no problem to solve, then oh no, not feel to improve. Then I guess I will really do. So yeah, oh, this thing I know well now I cannot use it. I mean, maybe maybe people are just all doing their own hacky fixes because there there is no view router. But I guess if what you would do differently is just not make view router, that's that's a choice too. 
<laughs> it's because it's my own thing. I guess it's it's weird, right? No. Yeah. It'll sorry, I guess like, I didn't imagine actually. Imagine if you well. didn't exist, and then I would be like, oh, I can invent you from what I know. That's Although true. remembering the whole code base would be a bit difficult. <laughs> Not like musicians to do their songs. Because I think so. I mean. This was this was a while ago, back in 2017. But I created an example repo called uh, View 2.0 Simple Routing Example, where I have different branches. I think I, I had different that. branches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where like I, I created a, a branch using View Router and another one using PageJS and another one just using the raw HTML yeah. history API. So like it just showing, trying to give people an idea of like what routing is and showing that. Like view router is really not like magical. Mm. I forgot about PageJS until just now. <laughs> I don't think I've ever used it. Sort of glad yet. about. Oh, I had to use it um, in a Polymer app because you should never build an app with Polymer. But yeah. Yeah. So we'll drop that in the show notes if people want to take a look at like what some alternatives are, like in a world where view router didn't exist. But yeah, I think we we probably build view router because it it would be needed. Someone yeah, I'm just curious if there's the like any off. any old choices sticking around that like are yeah. hampering new development that you you wish you could go back and change, but maybe you can't for some reason or another. I think not. the The API itself, like the public API, is not that large. And for example, things that are completely private but that are very interesting are the matcher, like where you generate objects based on the paths that supply. And how you add routes, remove route, how you do the correct matching. And the only public API you get, well, right now you have add routes and remove routes, but that's it. So the whole thing behind the matcher, as it's called in the code is completely private. And I could change completely the matcher, use a different new one, and you will still get the same public API. And so the things I've broken, like I wanted to change, I already changed them because they are not on the public API side. And there are things that we have on the public API that you don't see on other routers, like the guards. You don't see that in other, not all of them, in other guards, and not in the same way. And I think they are great. I haven't come up with a better solution yet. So actually, I did think of one, one other thing. Uh, you mentioned earlier, you really like the way that Nuxt handles routing, and it kind of hides away a lot of the, the lower level details of routing from you, so that you can just define like, files in a directory structure. And that's your routing, you know? And so like your configuration basically comes from just like creating files and folders. And uh, a lot of people really like that. A lot of people don't know that there's actually a library. I'm looking it up right now because I don't remember exactly what it's called for getting a Nux-like routing configuration in a non-Nuxt view app. Uh, And uh, I'll look that up and drop that in the show notes. What would you say? I think Igor did something similar. Yeah, maybe it's from him or maybe it's from someone else. I don't remember. But yeah, I, it's something that does not belong on the router itself. But I think it's so essential to organize your application. It's really great to have something like that. I'm really curious about people who like use Rails or something like that with that type of package or with Nux because I feel like there's some overlapping responsibility there. Although... Could be wrong because I've only ever used it at RailsBridge, but that was my impression. Yeah, it can be it can be kind of tricky. You have to decide like where to where to delegate. I heard from Also, 
And that's why Matic One was on Node.js because they they can share the JavaScript. So they have the possibility to do it, but they don't know how to share the, the routing and saying, okay, these routes exist. So I want these other routes do not exist. So I, I send a 404. And there are ways to do it, of course, but you have to rely quite a bit on the router, on the view router. And then they mix two routers together, like Express, and then you have the other routers so that you handle different things. It's interesting. The more complicated is the cases with Rails and PHP and other languages. That's become more. <laughs> so can you talk a little bit more about what it's like to uh, be the core maintainer of View Router and like for people who are interested in contributing what areas you need the most extra help? So I'm, I'm still trying to improve that section, that part. So that comes on different levels. Like first is, I first need to make sure that the code is navig- can be navigated through. So I try to find some documentation or a contribution guide. And then I try to leave some stuff that can be done. done. So what I do is have, I have a board on the GitHub repository on the project tab where you can see simple tasks and these simple start tasks are supposed to be actionable, small to-dos that people can pick up based on how confident they feel or how hard they want to go. Right now, there are no issues, like open issues that can be taken for the reaction next. But I try to add tasks that I think are available by people, like some tests, that's an easy one, but then some features that haven't been implemented. So for example, instead of doing a feature that I know I can do, I go for a more complicated thing that I think is more complicated for some people, especially if they don't know the code, and other tasks. So maybe someone can pick it up. I need nobody to pick, pick it up, and I pick it up later on. doesn't matter. I have some people that reach out. So what people do is they look at that and they reach out, and I try to help a little bit. I don't have many people who do this, but I give them some hints about where to look. They submit some cool requests. There is also another coaching member who was very active on VR at some point and had to leave and then came back. His name is Alan Son, And he also does some contributions as well. Mm, so for anybody who wants to contribute, um, I think the way to do it will be looking at that board, see if there's anything that makes sense for them that they want to contribute, looking for tools in the code base, and reaching out to me if something is up to date and if they need some small hints. And I try to help people a little bit. I, can't, I, I won't be able to see when a person I'm and do the whole thing with them, of course. But I do try to give them hints and think it's valuable for the project. And for me, yeah, even personally for me, to grow as a developer. That's awesome. So if people want to contribute or just get in contact with you or learn more about what you do, uh, where can they find you on the internet? Oh, yeah, on Discord. That would be the easiest way because it's a chat. So <laughs> it's TikTok. Is that um, awesome? Do you have a website? It's, uh, I have a WhatsApp, but the, the Discord server, if they are on the Julian channel, they can find me. I think it's chat.qts.org. Okay. Yeah, we'll put the correct link in the show notes so people right. can find you there. <laughs> Does anyone have any final questions for Eduardo before we wrap up and move on to picks? I'm good. I'm good too. All right, so am I. So why don't we move on to this week's picks? Chris, would you like to start? Sure. So my pick, is a, a game. I don't think I talked about this before. I, I missed last week and then I forget what my picks are. Disco Elysium. Did I talk about that? You've picked oh, Well, this, I've been yeah. on here. I picked this. Oh, yeah. gosh. I, I need Sorry. to do more like, I need to do more stuff. 
and have more hobbies. Okay, well, here's something else that I have. I picked a, a show called Dollface. No. So I, I started should, watching it. You should definitely pick it. <laughs> yeah, I started watching a show called Dollface that I really like. You can watch it on Hulu. And how, Ari, how would you describe it? I don't know. Uh, I will just say it was so much better than I thought it would be. Yeah, um, me too. I watched the first yeah. episode and I was like, I don't know yeah. about this. I don't know. I it don't was, know if it, where it was going to go, which way. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot more empowering than I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be another sad breakup story where, yeah. But no, it ended up being very much about friendships, which I, I loved. Yeah. Friendships mostly between women. Yes. Which I, if you are a woman, you know that that is sometimes complicated. <laughs> How about you, Ari? What are your picks? I have a feeling some of you are going to hate me because I'm going to steal one of your picks. <laughs> but so my first pick is Animal Crossing New Horizons, obviously. Especially, you know, with everything going on right now, it's nice to have a game that's just fluff. You don't have to think too much. It's very pleasant and enjoyable and just, yeah. So if you are looking for a nice escape right now, Animal Crossing New Horizons, which is on Nintendo Switch. And going back to some music picks this week from my personal coding playlist. Both of them are by Explosions in the Sky, which, yeah, you guys are going to get real tired of that. The first song is The Birth and Death of the Day, and the other song is The Wilderness. Both of them have a a very sort of slow but important climax to it. But yeah, both songs are just very pleasant. And will make you feel awesome when it's done because you're like, man, that was good. <laughs> so you should listen to them. And that's it. Nice. How about you, Eduardo? I go the other way. Instead, I also like to be, you know, some bizarre. Uh, I actually play, I'm a costume on DS and they like to remember. But I'm going the opposite way. I go with pandemic games to get more into the theme. So I'm playing Resident Evil to remake. The, one of the favorite series and it really does look like the old one, very survival or horror, very good graphics as well, and cinematic graphics. Uh, another show that was great that I watched, finished a few days ago, was Kingdom. So it's a Korean show set to, I don't know in what year, but that's a cool part because I know nothing about history in that part of Asia, but everything is like new and exciting, right? Uh, and it's about zombies as well. <laughs> And it's actually quite nice. And the way like the, the way they treat each other in that era is, is funny to me. Also, like the the acting is very is very different, right? It is very dramatic sometimes. And combined with the era, uh, which is I don't know what time is it, but it would be equivalent to the medieval in terms of uh, relationship with people and the hierarchy that exists. So people are very respectful and like, how dare you do this to me? And it's very funny sometimes because they're in the middle of a pandemic. And it's fine. And I want to take so much care about the, the, what is the word? I don't know the word in English. In Spanish, it would be honra is how, how you consider a person based on the, Like a social status or a hierarchy? Uh, no, it's more, no? no, it's not that. It's about the, the values of a person and how the, they action those values and show that like, they are worthy of uh, respect from others because they have great values and they are taking action for that. But it's a bit different. Character? It's not exactly that. I'm, no, no, I'm very, I, I don't, the word in Spanish is honra. H-O-N-R-A. Um, Maybe honor and um, being honorable? Yeah, it's like honor, yeah. Okay. 
Hey, I was like, I, do we have a word for that? <laughs> it's a bit different. Like, it's a bit different okay. than honor. Because we also have honor, but it's different from honor. Yeah, it seems like anyway. maybe the cultural thing. Yeah. Yeah. Last week, a show I watched recently that was fun. Oh, what was it? I forgot the name in English. It's Spanish. It's Eloyo because it's a Spanish movie. And it's a very cool concept for people who like dystopias. It's like a kind of prison where you have a big, big, big tower and every floor of the tower. So there is a hole to every single floor. So you can see all the floors underneath. And it's so high that you can see the end. And um, you have two people per floor. And in the hole, what happens is that every day you have a, a big table of food that comes down. And the platform. The it's the platform, platform. in okay. the US. <laughs> so, uh, and what people can eat is what is on the platform. So it's basically what all the people leave. So people from upper facility. It's a bit, I would say, I think it's a thriller. Thriller, horror, smaller thriller. It's a bit violent, for sure. Has a lot of blood. Because as you can imagine, when there is no food, people go crazy and they kill themselves. And, but it's quite interesting because of the message and the ways you can interpret. But just to warn people, it has a very open end. So it doesn't conclude anything. It's really about, if you don't like open ending things or what, because it's going to be very disappointed about them. Nice. Yeah. Sorry, they're mowing outside. Hopefully the mic isn't picking up the sound. I also love Resident Evil, but only... Only Resident Evil 6, which I feel like is a very unpopular choice. But if anybody wants to co-op Resident Evil 6, I'm always down. Actually, I actually have it on the North Finish. Oh my gosh, I have it on both PS3 and PS4. I think I put in like <laughs> 200 hours. Oh my god. I know, I love it. That's intense. Okay, so my picks, I'm, I'm going to second Ari's recommendation of Animal Crossing now that I have played it. It's honestly not my kind of game, but like growing up, I... I often didn't want to participate in fads and or the few times I did, my parents wouldn't let me. Like I remember at one point, I don't remember if it was a Gap hoodie or a Gap sweatshirt, but it was really, it was like the big thing. And that was like the one fad I remember that I like really, really wanted to be a part of. But for some reason, my mom just absolutely would not allow it. And so, yeah, like Animal Crossing isn't really my kind of game, which I've recently been thinking, okay, that's kind of odd because I really like I used to really like HGTV in high school. Now they don't really do the home makeover shows anymore, but that kind of stuff. So now I'm thinking like, maybe I should host a home makeover competition in Animal Crossing. But yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, But it's really fun to be doing something that everybody around me is also doing, like kind of being in it together and sharing that experience. That part of it, I really appreciate. Plus, I feel like being stuck at home should be challenging me like in terms of photography, which is a hobby I've been, I've been trying the last year or so, but I haven't been photographing anything except an Animal Crossing. So that at least makes me feel like I'm That's awesome. So that, and then another retro pick from me is I think when I was a, a guest on the podcast, I recommended The Art of Gathering, but in truth, I had never finished it. And now I'm going back to it. And it just seems really good to revisit those points as well when everybody is kind of not not able to reach out as much. And that's all for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. And until next time, enjoy the view. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Linode. With 11 data centers worldwide, including their newest data center in Sydney, Australia, enterprise-grade hardware, S3-compatible storage option, and their next-generation network, Linode delivers the performance you expect at a price that you don't. Get started on Linode today by going to linode.com view.